You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Jose Youngster with MMAfighting.com here speaking with Oscar Willis of the Mac Life to bring you a UFC 249 socially distanced preview show. Could you step back a little bit more, please? Is that because of the quarantine or just in general? It's the haircut. Oh, yeah, it's a bad haircut, but you can't talk about hair with that mop on your head. Well, of course we are here. It's UFC 249 Fight Week is finally upon us. Uh, We've been around this hotel long enough. You got here a little earlier than me. Now, before we get into the actual fights, uh, give give the audience a lay of the lands. Like, what's been your experience this fight week? It's obviously different. There's no fans going to be in attendance, but in the terms of the actual fight week, what's it been like for you? Usually fight week, you can sort of uh, predict what's going to happen. You've got the media day, you've got your face-offs at the media day. You've got a very structured sort of week. This time, I think everyone's sort of just taking it one day at a time, much like they are with the entire pandemic itself. You've got to just sort of see how things adjust. And uh, so that's kind of been the, the environment and the vibe. And also in the hotel, uh, people talk about safety a lot and stuff like that. I definitely feel quite safe in the hotel because mm-hmm. it, it, it feels like people are hyper conscious of what they should be doing they are very social distant if you sat down at a at one of the chairs no one's going to come and sit right next to you you know so um all in all it's a really weird experience it's kind of it's hard to explain yeah i'm staying at the fighter hotel and we have to get a temperature check every morning we have to get wristbands swapped out we both got covid19 tests we got those things shoved up our nose we got a pin we got the pin prick check for antibodies uh there's antibacterial stations pretty much on every floor it's a dead zone uh, out here so I'm, I'm staying on the, on the same floor as a few of the fighters and they're going to check weight and maybe cut weight but other than that, they're not really leaving their, their, their room. So it's it's a bizarre situation. There's no fans. Like, we, we say there's fans right here, but they're not allowed to come in. Uh, the hotel is fighters, UFC staff, uh, and that's about it. But we, ju- we did wrap up the UFC 249 official weigh-ins, no ceremonials. Uh, we had assigned seats. We were all six feet apart. Uh, Dana White did a scrum, uh, and he also had to be about six feet apart. Uh, some of the fighters were given the option to stare down. Uh, they all did. Uh, some of them kept the distance, specifically Jacare kept the gloves and mask on. Uh, as did his opponent, Uriah also kept the mask on. We actually, uh, in our commentary, making note of fighters and staff who had masks and who didn't have masks. So let's talk about the actual fights. We'll start at the top. We missed out for the fifth time on Tony Ferguson and Habib Nurmagomedov. That seems to be the fight. Uh, That's the one that got away, as Dana White has said multiple times. He's not sure that it'll ever happen. He thinks it's cursed at this point. But my God, man, Tony Ferguson versus Justin Gaethje is a pretty damn good runner-up. If we're not going to get Habib Tony, Justin Gaethje, Tony Ferguson seems to be the fight that are getting fans salivated. Like, there was such an uproar that we missed out on this. The second this fight got announced, people were like, all right, maybe it's not that bad. So (laughs) your thoughts on the actual matchup, and do you think Tony should have waited for Habib? Well, it's, it's hard for us to say whether a fighter should or should not wait because we don't know their financial situation. We don't know how they feel. We don't know if they, you know, he's been out of the cage for a while now. He probably wanted to keep active. Um, in terms of the matchup itself, I think at this point in MMA, you know, we all know about the trash talking. Everyone's a character, which we'll get to in the co-main event, I'm sure. So when you get the odd fight that comes along where the guys don't even actually need to say anything, they can just show up and stand in front of each other and you know like that is a fight I have to see it sells itself based on their reputation and that is Tony versus Gaethje to a T really I mean I remember when uh, Gaethje knocked out Barbosa and when Tony beat Cerrone I was thinking after both fights god I gotta see those two match up so it it is one of those fights where okay yes we've lost Tony Khabib there's no denying that's a big blow and you know if an asteroid hits the planet next time we try and book it 
that'll suck too. But yeah, as far as a runner-up fight, you can't beat. Yeah, it's it's different in the build-up too. I mean, you, you that virtual media day, there was no real no trash talk between the two. It was pretty much, hey, I'm badass, you're a badass. Let's just get in a fist fight over ten, 10 pounds of gold. Eagle almost, you know, yeah, it really does. Guys who are just like, I know you're good. You know I'm good. I think I'm just better than you. Yeah, uh, yeah you're not wrong. Uh, similar to Eddie Alvarez and Justin Gaethje had that, that same vibe. They just want to yeah. see who was the most violent man in the UFC. This is pre, uh, uh, like, BMF titles. Yes. The most violent man in, in MMA. But in terms of the actual matchup, uh, how do you think Justin Gaethje stacks up with Tony Ferguson? Tony Ferguson hasn't lost since before women were in the UFC. That's how long of a win streak he's on. Uh, speaking with some of the other media members, they think that Justin Gaethje poses more problems than Habib would because styles make fights. Uh, so are you in that same camp and what do you think of this matchup itself? More problems, no, because they pose just such different problems that it's hard to say who poses a bigger one. You know, it's, they're just completely different. So it's a hard comparison to make. As far as the matchup, I mean, it, I went back and watched both of the guys' last few fights, and Tony just gets hit, man. Tony gets hit a lot, and I wonder if it's uh, the first time he's fought a guy who hits as hard as Gaethje in a while. I mean, like, Pettis drops him, and Kevin Lee drops him, and you would say that Gaethje is probably more powerful and, and a better striker than both of those guys. Uh, so that, to me, is interesting, I think, especially if Gaethje can be the one to put the pressure on Tony. If to it, It's almost like a fight of who, who has to take the back step, right? Whoever gets to move forward will be the one to implement their game. Yeah, yeah. I think that's where we'll see the fight decided. So what's your official prediction? Uh, before the postponement of the California show, I'd have said Tony, yeah. and now I'm leaning towards Gaethje. Yeah, I slightly favor Gaethje in this. It's 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 hard to deny Tony Ferguson, but I just think Justin Gaethje poses a lot more has a lot more paths to victory than a lot of other of Tony Ferguson's previous opponents. Uh, he's coming off that big win over Donald Cerrone, but we've seen, like, so is Justin Gaethje. They're both yeah. coming off big wins over Donald Cerrone. Conor McGregor's coming off a big win over Donald Cerrone. So uh, I slightly favor Justin Gaethje, but it's, it's... Donald Cerrone dirty there, Jose. Hey, man. Just, Donald Cerrone has more wins than anyone else in UFC history, so we'll give give credit where credit is due. Uh, but I slightly favor Justin Gaethje, but it's, it's, it's hard for me to pick. Now, dropping down to the co-main event, uh, a matchup that... I wish it was getting a lot more buzz. Uh, it is People are excited for this fight, but it's just the fact that it's the co-main event and what it is the main event and what the winner of the main event will go on to do is Henry Cejudo, the reigning undisputed Bantamweight champion, there's no interim attached to that, is going up against Dominic Cruz, is coming off a long layoff, a man many people consider to be the greatest Bantamweight who ever lived. I myself am in that category. I think it could have been TJ. We are obviously know what has happened. I think he might have taken himself out of the running after that. Uh, Henry Cejudo ran through him in like less than two minutes. So what do you think of this matchup do you like that Cruz is getting the first fight at, at the first shot at Cejudo coming off this left or do you wish it was someone else uh, your thoughts I love it I love it I, I not just for the fight itself which I think is really interesting and I think the two of them stylistically match up pretty well I like it because of the greater context if uh, Dominic Cruz can come back after four years got body riddled with injuries all the time and then win a world title, come back after that long at the highest level and win. That's, a, that's not just a great comeback in MMA, that's a great sporting comeback. And it's his second time doing second it. Second time. I love it, I, I think it's great. And I, as far as the fight itself, it's one of those ones, if it wasn't Dominic Cruz, if it was someone else, you'd say, well, he's got no chance. Because Cruz is so great, because he is the greatest bantamweight of all time, you have to think like, well, he could, he could just make Henry look silly for five rounds. You know, He could easily outstrike Henry. I think for me, the the bit about this fight is going to get interesting is when Henry goes to those takedowns. Yeah. Is he strong enough and is 
has Cruz been out of the game for so long enough that Henry can control that? Or is it going to be a bit like when Cruz fought Demetrius Johnson and he was just too small to get Cruz down to the ground? Well, Cruz did say he worked a lot on, quote, holding people down, getting work on working against the fence, working on working on takedowns, working to take advantage of when he can actually score takedowns. Those are a lot of stuff that, that he worked on. I do favor Dominic Cruz in this fight. I think you hit it on the head. Or if this was anyone anyone else, I would obviously favor Henry Cejudo. Given what he did, like, I thought Marlon was going to beat Henry Cejudo. I thought TJ Dillashaw was going to beat Henry Cejudo. And I thought Demetrius Johnson beat Henry Cejudo. Well, that, I think, actually, Demetrius Johnson beat Henry Cejudo that second time. But that's another argument. Uh, Henry Cejudo's been made a point of proving me wrong three fights in a row uh cringe thing aside he is one of the best fighters in the world two weight two two weight champion uh but i have to give the slight edge cruise he's taller uh our own pizza carol did a really fantastic interview with brandon lockname dominic cruz's uh, training partner he the thing he's pointed to was height and reach are going to play a major factor in this because cruz like you said moves around a lot makes people look silly yeah. If Henry can't close that distance and, and, and Cruz keeps the, this, the quote, social distance in the octagon, <laughs> inside the octagon, I think, I think that I'd say his butt. I, I think that fight is a lot closer than people are saying. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think it's, a, it's a toss-up, really. Mm-hmm. I think it's just the reason why it's such a toss-up is because stylistically, I just I can't, I can't picture what's going to happen at all. It's hard. Either way, I'm just like, well, I could see that, could, I, could, but I don't, can't commit to anything in my head. Yeah, I'm gonna, I slightly favor Cruz, but uh, that... that I, I just wish this fight was getting a little more more shine, but who can blame you after the, the lightweight title above them? But any other, there's a lot of great fights. This is one of the most stacked cards. We don't want to run too long on this preview show. So any other fights you want to uh, want to key in on the main card and all take a look at the prelim card? Yeah, uh, I mean, look, we haven't seen fights for a while now. Yeah. And the last fight we saw was Yoel Romero versus Real Adesanya, which, <laughs> I mean, wasn't, wasn't the best one to keep us going in these cold COVID months. But, uh, Cold. But, We're yeah. in beautiful Florida, my friend. But alliteration is key. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So for me, I just want to see someone flattened, and that's why I'm <laughs> going to pick Ingarni versus Rosenstrike. Can't wait. You think that goes three rounds? I kind of. My gut yeah, says not. it does. My gut says it does. Oh, that's two. That's two counter strikers, pretty much trying to take advantage of the opponent making a mistake. And no one's there to boo them. Oh my god. I know. What have I done? <laughs> no, I think that's. I think. I think. Rosenstrike's knockout of Overeem made people kind of forget how that fight was going. Yeah. And I do think there may be a little bit of like, there's levels to this sort of thing. And I think Ngannou could prove himself to be like, look, that loss to Miocic was what it was, but I am actually one of the top guys in this division and I should be fighting for the title. Yeah, I actually think in France Ngannou is, if it's not Stipe, France Ngannou is the best heavyweight in the world right now. I think that rematch, if, St- if Francis gets past Jairzinho and if Stipe gets past Daniel Corman, whenever that has, I think that rematch is going to be a lot different. Yeah, okay. Stipe might win, but it's going to be a lot different now. Okay. But I, I 100% favor Francis Ngannou in this fight. Uh, but we also got Greg Hardy, uh, Jorgen DeCastro is on the main card, uh, Calvin Cater, Jeremy Stevens, boss's own Calvin Cater, uh, trying to get back in the win. Both fighters trying to get back in the win column. The prelims are also great for Bruce Overdoom, Alexi Olenek. Two, like, to call them veterans of the sport would be an understatement. Alexi Olenek has fought in four decades, the 90s, the 2000s, the 2010s, and he fought in 2020s because he fought on that January card. He's been alive for four decades. He made his debut when I was six. That was his mixed martial arts debut, Alexi Olenek. I was six years old. So and he's fighting Fabrizio Overdoom, former champ, one of the most decorated grapplers in MMA history, not just the heavyweight division. Uh, of course, we had Carlos Barza and Michelle Watterson fight. I can't believe it hasn't happened. Two former Invicta champions uh, and a former UFC inaugural champion in Carlos Barza. Uh, obviously, you want to talk a little bit about Cowboy Cerrone, uh, Anthony Pettis. That seems to be one that um, people have earmarked, too. Well, I mean, it's... Uh 
it's an interesting one, right? Because those two are at such a similar points in their career. But I do wonder, I, I think it has the potential to be a great fight, but I do wonder if it reminds me sort of when Cerrone fought Benson Henderson in uh, Boston, yeah. where they're like buddies, so it almost became a bit of a sparring match as opposed to a fight. I think that combined with the no crowd, we could see a bit of a, a chilled out sort of contest between the two. But on the flip side, it could be the complete opposite. They could actually go, I mean, they need to win. Both those guys really need a win right now. If so I'm not, really interesting crossroads. If, if I'm not mistaken, did Cerrone take that fight on super short notice too? Yeah, it's Benson Henson. Yeah, the second yeah, time, and then he like also like turned around to go. Or, he turns around a lot on a lot of fast opponents. It does. Uh, I Anthony Pettis himself said he has the mental edge. He beat him after all the first time. Uh, I have to favor Anthony Pettis too. I think I favor Anthony Pettis as well because, I mean, Cerrone's been going up against absolute just killers right now. And so is Anthony Pettis. Yeah, right, but I feel like. For me, I think a lot of Anthony Pettis' issues in the cage come from motivation, whereas I think for Cerrone, he said himself in an interview with Brett Okamoto that uh, he could see the light at the end of his career. So I think for him, it might be more that he's just starting to uh, slip a little bit, whereas Pettis is slipping in motivation. Sure. I had a bike ride just there. <laughs> Not at all. Uh, none of these fans walking by us really social distancing. But uh, the prelim fights are all good too. You also got Jacare Souza uh, and Uriah Hall. Uh, I want to circle uh, Nico Price, Vicente Luque. Uh, to, I don't even call it a dark horse. That is one of my favorites to win fight of the night on Saturday. That like, so many of those, right? Those two though are two guys that are violent, have all the energy in the world. Uh, Phenomenal skills, uh, and they're, it's just a fan-friendly fight. Like, neither man has ever been in a boring fight. Like, Nico Price knocked out Randy Brown with hammer fists off his back, yeah. so he's never out of it. Vicente Luque, he's a madman well. to, to put this into perspective, how, uh, quote, metal Vicente Luque is, and when he fought Brian Barbran, which is one of the best fights I've ever seen, uh, he walked into the back, and he needed to fix his hair before he got into the camera. So you know what he used? The blood coming out of his forehead as hair gel. So uh, that goes to show you uh, what a man uh, Vicente Luque is. And I definitely want to circle uh, Charles Rosa, Bryce Mitchell. Uh, Bryce, as fans give us some love, uh, Bryce, Bryce Mitchell undefeated. Uh, says he's coming off a twister submission win, uh, the second ever in UFC history. Charles Rosa declared he has the best uh, grappling skills in the featherweight division and called out Cron Gracie just to prove a point. Uh, that was after his Boston fight. So the fact that these two are going at it, I love this fight. Boston's own uh, Charles Rosa and then Bryce Mitchell, who's been one of the more popular fighters to emerge in recent memory. Undefeated, too. Was very upset that uh, we didn't include him on our list of potential champions that are undefeated right now. But uh, nonetheless, one of the most stacked cards in UFC history. Anything else you want to say before we send this preview show home? Listen, I think, you know, to everyone out there, like, there's been sort of a division whether this fight card should be going on or not. And look, we're here covering it, so we don't really have an option other to say then we clearly think it should be going on. But I think at this point, whether you think it should be going on or not, it is. So just take the fact that there are some really good fights that are about to happen. Just enjoy them. And we'll be back for Wednesday and Saturday, too. Saturday. We got two bangers of a fight. You'll see a I'll pr- You'll probably see Oscar walking around in the background of our official weigh-ins shows and everything. Hopefully, you're social distancing the whole time. But uh, for Jose, that's Oscar. You can find all his phenomenal work at the Mac Life. He does excellent work. He's here on he's here on on ground uh, for crying out loud. He's risking his life, as all as we all are, to bring to bring you lovely fans some fist fighting action. But thank you so much for joining us, Oscar, and we'll see you on Fight Night. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network.